Thank you, Pastor, for allowing me to speak this morning and giving me this opportunity. And if Daniel is watching, thank you, because uh, I definitely couldn't have figured out all the technical stuff. Um, if you will, go ahead and turn with me in your Bible to Romans chapter 1. Here in just a second, we're going to play a short video. Um, it's a video I came across actually on Facebook. Um, but the Lord really used it to lay something on my heart and to lay a challenge on my heart for uh, a time that we live in and a, a day in which, in some cases, I never thought I'd see churches being fined for having services, being told they can't sing in church. Um, and, and I think that this is a, a challenge that God showed me. There's a lot of things I'm not doing right, but I think there's a lot of things that we can take and apply. Um, so, Nathan, if you've got that ready for us. A few months ago, I was reminded that even when it doesn't seem that way, God is still working. You see, I had a letter from a pastor who leads a small church just outside Jacksonville, Florida. He wrote to me of a time many years ago that he and his wife were attending Asbury Seminary in Wilbur, Kentucky. It's back in the 1970s. It was a place where they held in the spring of every year a Christian music festival where they would have music and then they would have preachers who would present the gospel and invite young people from all across the region. But he wrote to me that in 1977, he had decided at the seminary, they had collectively decided to end the Christian music festival. It was known as Ichthus. But he and his new bride felt a burden to take on the task. Even though he wrote, and I quote, that several friends told us that it would be very hard on our new marriage and we shouldn't do it. But he said, we answered the call. They gathered a few other seminarians, as he told me, and they worked a whole year long to arrange the event in the spring of 1978. And then he told me that the night came, the culminating evening on Saturday night, when everything was to come together and the main preaching was done. And he and his new bride were walking through the camp area and it was raining. And they were deeply disappointed. They thought it had all been for naught. And then he wrote these words in a letter. I quote, and that's because on that night, I didn't know that a future Vice President of the United States of America would be giving his life to Jesus Christ. My message is not about our Vice President, but God used that to lay something on my heart, that the second most powerful man in the world is humble and humble before Christ, and he's not ashamed to preach that faith. Romans chapter 1, and verse number 14. I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise, so much as is in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the gift of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, 
and also to the great Brother Birch. Would you pray for us? So what should we not be ashamed of? We shouldn't be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And what's the gospel? It's our salvation. It's our faith. It's the fact that Christ came and died on the cross for us when we didn't deserve him to. And why should we not be ashamed? Because when he hung on the cross, he was not ashamed of us. And he was not ashamed of you. We were all on his mind. And he willingly took that when he could have called anyone to come get him off the cross, could have called any number of angels, he willingly took that for each and every one of us. So number one, if we are not ashamed, we must proclaim. You know, there's a lot of things in this world that are going on now. There's, there's a lot of people making a lot of noise about a lot of things that I know none of us agree with, but they're loud. And they're making a lot of noise, and they're standing up for things that they believe in, um, Half the time, I, I can't tell you what, it seems to change every week. <laughs> but we must proclaim the truth. We have the truth. We have the truth in our hands here. We must proclaim it. Even in Christian circles that would call themselves Christians, they preach all sorts of different doctrines that are not godly, that do not have Christ in them. Calvinism, salvation by works. And that's spread all throughout. Yet we have the truth and we're quiet. Why? We should be proclaiming louder than anyone else, trying to save these people from going to hell. Trying to show them what is wrong and what, what's wrong in their life. And people are not going to want to hear the truth. If, if there's one thing about this country, people don't like to hear truth. People don't like to hear facts. People are not going to like what we have to say sometimes. And, and people like to call us bigots and, and say that we're spewing hate speech for, for whatever we have to say, which is the truth and the gospel. But I think it's far more of hate speech, so to, so to call it, if we don't proclaim the gospel to them. If we know that we don't share the gospel with these people and that they're going to go to hell and spend eternity in hell, but we have the answers, we can point them to Christ, the one that came to die for them, and we don't share that with them, doesn't that show more hatred than it does love? We must proclaim the truth. You know, it said about Paul that, that he witnessed to everyone he ever came in contact with. And wouldn't that be amazing if he was alive today? You know, think about all the different avenues that we have. You Facebook, Twitter, whatever. The ease of travel. Instead of taking journeys like he did and getting shipwrecked several times, he could have taken a plane. He could have traveled. But God didn't put Paul in this time, did he? No, he put us in this world today for such a time as this. I often ask myself, why? I, I don't share the gospel like Paul does. I definitely don't proclaim it as much as he does. I wish I could say I shared it with everyone I came in contact with, but I don't. But we were chosen to be here 
for a specific reason in this time. And we must take that opportunity to proclaim him. But like it says in James 1.22, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own self. See, faith without works is dead. And for some people, the only Bible that they will ever read is your life. If you tell people that you're a Christian, and everyone knows that you're a Christian, whether it's at work or home or wherever it is, and yet your life is nothing different, you're not preaching the gospel. We should want to live our life and live out our faith in a way that others see Christ in us. Because for some people, that's the only way that they're ever going to see Christ. If you go through a trial and you go through a hard time, but yet you have peace about you, that's an opportunity to share with people the gospel. That's an opportunity to share with people how you have that peace because it doesn't come from us and it definitely doesn't come from this world. But that gives us an opportunity to proclaim the one that's giving that to us. Number two, if we are not ashamed, we will stand. This world is evil. This present world is, is not getting any, any better and it's not going to. And it's time for us as Christians to take a stand for our convictions, to take a stand for what we believe in. Ephesians 6, verse 13 says, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. That's now. And having done all to stand, stand therefore. And standing's not easy. Standing will never be easy. Uh, standing up for what you believe in has never been easy. If things were easy... And, and we were put in a, a place where we could be comfortable, then we're going to do things on, on our own power. We're not going to rely on the power of God to do anything because it's easy. Why would we need to, right? But God has to take us out of our comfort zone sometimes and put us into uncomfortable situations to show his power. To use us effectively, we have to get out of our comfort zone. We have to be willing to take that stand. Turn with me to Daniel chapter 3. Real quick. I think we all know the story. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I think it's fair to say that they were in a pretty uncomfortable situation. You know, everyone was told to, to bow before this statue and to bow before this false god. But thank God that God used this uncomfortable situation to raise up three people that would stand for him. Daniel chapter 3, verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. That's pretty bold, isn't it? They don't care what he thinks. They're going to speak the truth. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not... Be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Wouldn't it be amazing if we had Christians today that would take a stand like that? They stood before a guy that easily could have killed them on spot for saying that. They easily could have set off with their head and that would have been the end of it. They were faced with certain death with a simple choice, but they chose to stand. Thankfully, in this country, we haven't gotten to that point yet. We haven't gotten to a point where uh, we can't, you know, we're faced with death for our faith here. 
But we're also in a place I don't think I ever thought we'd be. We have churches being fined. We have churches being told they have to close. Being told that we can't sing in church. That blows my mind. Trying to regulate everything we do. But too many of us have kind of just sat back and taken it. And there, there's, there's a difference in being safe and healthy, and I'm not saying anything about that. Okay? We should do things in a safe way to keep our people healthy. But at the same time, the government shouldn't regulate what we do. We shouldn't stand back and worship fear and all this other stuff that's going on in the world right now. We should continue to worship God and take a stand for Him. Ezekiel 22.30, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Let me ask you this. In this day and time, we're not there yet, but maybe we will be one day. And we have missionaries currently that are in these places. If people came in here right now and told us that we had to denounce the Bible, we had to denounce God, and forsake all of it, or we would face death, what would you do? What would I do? God laid that on my heart a while back, and I still don't know if I have the answer. I want to say that I would stand up and say, I will never denounce this. I will never denounce God. But can I? Could you? If someone were to come in here right now, what would we do? I pray that I could be one of those, that God could look down and say, I sought for a man, and I found him, and I found her. But would he say, I found none? I'd say we've been falling behind a little bit in this country with that. So if we're not ashamed, we must proclaim, we must stand. And number three, if we are not ashamed, we must be willing to suffer. We stand and we proclaim, you know, the Bible doesn't tell us that we're going to have an easy life. In fact, the Bible tells us that those who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Shall means will. That's going to happen to us at some point in time. We're going to be out of our comfort zone and we're going to suffer something. I, I think about Paul who, like was mentioned in Sunday school, was beaten several times, shipwrecked. John was boiled alive in a hot vat of oil. More recently, uh, if, if you're reading the Bible in English, which I, I believe most of us are, I know I am, uh, we have a, a, a man that was not afraid to do what God called him to do in William Tyndale. That translated that in English for us. And God used him to do it. And what happened to him very shortly after he did that? He was burned at the stake. But he was willing to do that. He was willing to suffer that for the cause of Christ. And how many people have since been able to be led to the Lord with an English Bible because they could read it themselves? Because one person was willing to take a stand for Christ because Christ took a stand for us. Maybe it's not that. But are you willing to leave everything that we know behind? You know, Genesis 12:1 says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy land, or out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, 
unto a land that I will show thee. God didn't even tell him where he was going. He just said, get out of your house and move. Leave your family behind. And Abram said, okay, here I go. Had no idea where he was going. There's no GPS back then. I don't know about y'all, but I have to have GPS in, in Kingsport. And it takes me crazy ways sometimes and past the same street three times on the way to a call. And I'm like, well, I could have been there 30 minutes earlier, but here I am. But Abram had none of this. He was trusting God. And you say, well, is that really willing to suffer? Or is that really suffering? Well, have you ever been alone, away from all your family? When I was 18, uh, I thought I was, well, I thought I knew everything. Um, talk to Shasta, she thinks I probably still do. But I decided I didn't want to be told what to do anymore. That I was an adult, I didn't need anyone to tell me what to do. I hated rules, I hated regulations. So I joined the army. That, that seemed like the logical next step to me, I guess. And I quickly found out that I knew nothing and that my life was no longer mine to control. And uh, 06 came very, very early when uh, 02 o'clock came very early with a trash can being banged in my ear. But after that and after basic, I got sent out to Korea. Another thing which I no longer controlled where I lived. I got sent out to South Korea, 15,000 miles away from my family. Away from my country, into a strange land. Uh, I was telling Nathan and Jeremy the other day, we went and got Asian food. And uh, for some reason, I didn't realize that there's not English in the deep parts of Korea. Um, at one point in time, I said, this is America. You've got to be kidding me. And then I realized this isn't America. <laughs> but I looked at the menu, and I was like, how am I going to choose anything? Well, there's pictures, so I just pointed to the picture. And then they didn't have a fork, so they brought me a chopstick, and I asked for a fork, and she pointed to the spoon and said, well, you got that. So I stabbed my food the whole first time. It was terrible. I had no idea what I was doing. I had no, no idea about the culture or anything. And I felt very alone. And there's times I was scared. I didn't know how I was going to make it. I was 18, thought I knew everything, quickly learned out, or found out I didn't, and now I'm 15,000 miles away from everyone. That's hard to do. Can you imagine doing it when you have no idea where you're going to sleep, where you're going to live, who's going to be with you? All right, maybe that's not it. But are we willing to suffer financially? Now, I'm not talking about a tithe. That shouldn't even really be up for discussion. That's what God's commanded us to give. You know, he lets us keep 90 of it from a job he gave us. <laughs> but what about missions? Are you willing to give a little extra to missionaries who literally do exactly what Abram just did. Go out into a country that we don't know, that they don't know, to preach the gospel to see souls saved. Are we willing to suffer some of our own comfort right here in America to give them just a little bit, just to support them a little bit? What about embarrassment? You know... Christ was mocked, had his beard plucked out. All for each one of us. They danced around in front of him, mocked him, hit him, beat him. At any point, he could have put an end to all of it, but he didn't. He stayed the course for each and every single one of us. He endured a death 
that I don't think any one of us could have withstood. And he endured that so that we could go to heaven with him. But yet we can't say one word to a coworker about him. We can't say, no, I won't go do that. I won't go to this place. I won't go hang out here. I won't talk to this person anymore because we're scared we'll be embarrassed. That someone will call us out and say we're crazy. So are you willing to suffer any kind of embarrassment at work, at home, wherever it be? Acts 5.41 says, And they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. The verse right before that talks about them being beaten right before they were let go. Wouldn't it be great if we had that attitude? That I am worthy, that people see that I stand for Christ, and that I'm a Christian, and that I preach the cross, and I'm worthy to suffer for him. Man, we've lost that attitude. Number four, and we'll be done. If we are not ashamed, our eyes will be on Christ and not on this world. If our eyes are on Christ, we'll be more concerned with serving him than we will be obtaining a more prestigious title in this world. Matthew 6, 24 says, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. We can't serve God and try and serve this world. Your eyes are either on this world or they're going to be focused on Him. Who are you going to put first in your life? Are you going to put material things in this present world first and and just put all of your time and effort and energy into that? Or are we going to put our eyes on Christ and do the work that He has for us? You see, if our eyes are on this world, I'm sorry, if our eyes are on Christ, we will be more focused on changing this world with the gospel than we will be about fitting into it. We were called to live a separated life, separated unto Christ. We weren't called to fit into this world. And in fact, the Bible calls us a peculiar people. And if you look around here, we see plenty of those, including myself. But that's what the Bible called us to be. They didn't call us to fit in. Darkness can't outshine darkness. We must be light into this dark, dark world that we live in. You know, there's, there's been a lot, of, uh, a lot of times that 2 Chronicles 7.14 has been quoted during this election year. It says, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray, we often forget those first two. Forget that we have to be humble first. And seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. It's been quoted a lot of times. And it's usually having to do with who's going to be elected president. doesn't matter who's president. Because if we aren't seeking Christ, it doesn't matter. Two times in this verse, it talks about us taking our eyes off of this world and turning around completely to focus on Him. Two different directions completely. We often want to blame liberals or Democrats or or whoever that we want to blame for the state that America is in. It's not their fault. They're doing what makes them happy, right? The problem with America and the the reason that we have 
found ourselves in this position where abortion is, is legal and, and killing thousands and millions of babies every year, that we have same-sex marriages left and right now being done in churches. The reason that we've come to this point is because Christians have taken their eyes off of Christ and put it onto this world and been more focused about what we have in this world and what we do in this world than we are about heaven and Christ. We, we've become so tolerant and accepting uh, of this present evil day and this present evilness that we see, and we've disguised it as loving our neighbor. We should absolutely love the sinner, but we should hate the sin. And because our eyes have been on this world, we become accepting of all this evilness and all this wickedness. So, if we want to change things, we need to realign our focus to be in line with Christ. Two simple questions. I don't know if everyone here is saved or not. You may be wondering, why is this gospel thing so important? And is it really worthy of all this? No. It's worthy of so much more. Because Christ died for us. Christ died for each and every single one of us so that we could go to heaven with him, so that we could be saved from hell, a place that we could not save ourselves from. First, you have to realize that you're a sinner. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Number two, realize that there's a payment for sin. For the wages of sin are de is death. There had to be a payment made. And Christ took that payment. Thank God that verse doesn't stop there because it says, but the gift of God is eternal life. Once you realize that Christ paid the price for you on the cross, rose again, defeated death and hell. Believe on him in your heart and call upon him to save you and forgive you for your sins and be saved. But Christian, what are you doing to stand? Are you ashamed of the gospel of Christ? Are you living a way that's ashamed of the gospel? I'm going to ask you this one more time because this really seemed to be the question that, that God hit home with me. If someone were to come in here right now and tell us that we had to denounce the Bible, denounce Christ, and leave all of this behind us, or we'd be put to death or, or hurt or whatever it may be, what would you do? Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this day, this message. I pray that you would just... Help us to take this challenge, Lord, and just to try and live better for you, Lord, and, and to proclaim your gospel. Thank you for this church and everything that you've done for us, Lord. In Jesus' name.